0: So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations, being produced here in our Come and See studio here in Ada. And this, the 2nd of June, it's the Ascension of the Lord, the Feast of the Ascension of the Lord. We especially welcome listeners who are housebound and lonely and struggling in some way today, and especially our listeners who support us in prayer each week. Very important. Thank you very much indeed for that. And also thank you for spending this hour with us each week. Our program is broadcast, as people know, at this particular stage and sacred space at Whistlamic 102 local radio, 10 a.m. and 11 p.m. of a Sunday, and is available for playback and download on Common Inspirations at com. If you open up com website, you can see, you can search for Common Inspirations and you'll find us there. You can also uh, get us on our blog or hear a podcast on our blog. Thanks to Lorraine these days for putting up all that work for us. Um, and that's on Sacred Space102 at blogspot.com. That's Sacred space com. So our podcasting team this morning as I just mentioned, Lorraine Buckley, good morning to you. How are you?
1: Good morning, John. Good morning, listeners. I'm very well, very well. Thank
0: you very much indeed. We're making you work hard these days. You but certainly you're young, are, John. You're young.
1: I'm double-jobbing these
0: times. <laughs> I won't say any more about that now, listeners. And oh, by the way, she, she is getting paid the big money, but then we won't discuss that. And, uh, and of course, Anne, good morning to you, Anne. How are you? Fine, thank you, John. Good morning, listeners. Thanks a lot, Anne, for joining us. So as usual, our programme this week will include some saints, which Lorraine's going to share with us in a few moments. In part two of the programme, we've invited back a good friend of the programme, Father Eamon Conway. Father Eamon Conway, a great fan of Loch Derg, pilgrimage site, St. Patrick's Purgatory, in Loch Derg, in Donegal. So Father Eamon will share some some thoughts on that with us in part two. And in part three, then, we'll read and reflect on the word of God, the most important part of any programme that we make here each week. You can contact us if you wish by texting us at 087 6088667. That's 087 6088667. Or you can email us sacred space10gmail.com. That's sacredspace 102 at gmail.com. Again, we want, just want to remind listeners that if they've got any suggestions in regard to who we should might have on the program in terms of encouraging people's faith, our own faith. Please let us know by text or email if you meet us around West Limerick. As myself, Lorraine, or Anne, uh, you know there might be somebody that you know who, uh, who has a good faith story that, that would be uh, help us all to encourage to, to be encouraged in our faith and live and live out our faith a little bit more um, fruitfully. Do it again. Text us oh eight seven six zero eight eight six six seven or email us sacredspace one hundred two at gmail.com. Now, Lorraine, you
1: might be able to share some signs for the week, please. Thank you. Indeed, John. We have loads of great saints again this week, as as you saw, because uh, my listeners, um, I get John to print off my saints every week for me. I send them to him on the Sunday or the Monday beforehand. So on Monday, the 3rd of June, I can't believe we're into June already, guys. We have Saint Kevin Abbott. Now, most of us know Kevin or Quivine. In Irish, the fair begotten. He was born in 498 into a noble family living in what is now known as West Wicklow. He studied for the priesthood in Kilnamanach and after being ordained set out to find his calling. He came to Glendalough to follow his dream which was to find God in solitude and prayer and he chose to live by the shore of the upper lake taking for his hermitage an artificial cave on the south side of the lake about 30 feet above the water which was originally a branch. Bronze Age tomb. Now this is St. Kevin's bed, which can still be seen today from the north shore of the lake. Kevin lived the life of a hermit in his cave for seven years and there are many legends and stories handed down to us. He led a very simple life, wearing only animal skins and sleeping on stones and eating very sparingly. We might touch on that a little bit in the second part of our program when we're talking about Loch Derg. Kevin soon became known as a holy man and others came to Glendalough to seek his advice to be healed and to follow his way of life, so that gradually small monastic communities were established, including a walled settlement near the lake shore, which is now called the reefert Church. Kevin's fame as a teacher and holy man spread far and wide, and over time the monastic settlement at Glendalough grew to become one of the great spiritual centres of Christianity in Ireland, flourishing for a thousand years after St. Kevin's death. On Tuesday, the 4th of June, we have St. Charles Luanga and his companion martyrs. Charles Luanga was one of the 22 Ugandan martyrs. He is the patron of youth and Catholic action in most of tropical Africa. He protected his fellow pages, who ranged in age from 13 to 30, from the homosexual demands of the Bugandan ruler Mwanga and encouraged and instructed them in the Catholic faith during their imprisonment for refusing the ruler's demands. Charles first learned of Christ's teachings from two retainers in the court of, chief, of the chief. While a catechumen, and that's somebody who's just preparing for baptism, he entered the royal household as an assistant to Joseph Macasso, head of the court pages. On the night of Macasso's marty- martyrdom, uh, Charles requested and received baptism. Imprisoned with his friends, his courage and belief in God inspired them to remain chaste and faithful. And unfortunately, Charles was burned to death on the 3rd of June, 1886. When Pope Paul VI canonised these 22 martyrs on the 18th of October, 1964, he also made reference to the Anglican martyrs. Uh, who were martyred for the same reason. On Wednesday the 4th of June we have Saint Boniface who was a bishop and martyr. He was a missionary bishop and martyr. He was called the Apostle to the Germans because he was born in England and given the name Winfrith which he later changed to Boniface. He went over to Germany and preached Christianity over there and then, in his 70s, Boniface desired to convert the fierce pagans of Frisia in modern-day Holland. He and 53 companions set off for that purpose, but were ambushed and killed by the natives upon their arrival. On Thursday, the 6th of June, we have Saint Jarlath. We don't know very much about Jarlath. However, we do know that he is regarded as the founder and patron saint of the Archdiocese of Tume in Galway. On Friday, the 7th of June, we have St. Colman of Drumore, another Irish saint. St. Colman um, set up a monastery at in the Lagan Valley of County Down. In the 6th century, the present diocese of Drumore, however, has a seat in the south County Down city of Newry. There are about 300 saints named Colman in the Irish martyrologies, but the most famous of those being... Uh, St. Coleman of Dramore. And then finally, on Saturday, the 8th of June, we have St. William of York, who was bishop. He was the son of Count Herbert, who was a treasurer to Henry I. His mother, Emma, was the half-sister of King William. Um, William's election was challenged on the grounds of simony and unchastity, but he was cleared by Rome, But later a new Pope, the Cistercian Eugene III, suspended William and in 1147 he was deposed as Archbishop of York. William then retired to Winchester where he led the austere life of a monk, practising prayer and mortification. Upon the death of his accusers and Eugene III, Pope Anastasius IV restored William his see and made him Archbishop. However, he was only one month back in York when he died in the year 1154.
0: Thank you very much. Need that. You know, we went from Uganda, we went to UK, and we went to Ireland. Um right the way through history it it never ceases to amaze me. Um these these saints who encountered problems as we would encounter them today. You take those Ugandan matters there now. Same stuff that's going on now today. We thank God for their for their witness and um, for their witness to give us encouragement to live through our lives as we think we have hard times. Those guys, poor guys had really hard times. At this part of the program, we will pray especially for those people who are also suffering, our our listeners, You listeners out there who continue listening to us each week, who love to go to Mass, but can't get to Mass these days. But we have a spiritual communion prayer that we'd like to share with you. And that's... Uh, will be read by Anne this morning, prayed by Anne. Thank you,
2: Anne. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you so much for that, Anne. So now we go for our first bit of music, and this is by a young American group that myself and Anne actually met many years ago um, in Moirass. The the name of the group is L'Angeles. They come from Louisiana, I think. And a beautiful piece of music. This one is entitled This Day God Gives Me. So join us again with part two, where we'll listen to Father Amen give us his reflection on Locked Dog. uh e So, welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keely. Join me again this morning um, for actually a repeat of something we've done last year, I think in the year before. I've got Father Eamon Conway who's going to chat to us about Lock Dog again this morning. Good morning, Father, Father Eamon. How are you?
3: I'm doing very well. Thank you, John. Lovely to
0: be with you and your listeners once again. Thank you very much, Ned, for taking the time to, to talk to us. Okay, we want to speak this morning a little bit about uh, St. Patrick's Purgatory, to give it its official name, I think, in Loch Derg, County Donegal. Can you tell us a little bit about it, maybe its history and its tradition and what's involved and so on and so forth?
3: Well, I, I have a very, very fond place in my heart for Loch Derg, and uh, I suppose it's just been a part of my whole ministry, my priesthood. I went there as a student first in the early 1980s I used to work there uh, helping with the liturgy with the music and so on and I've kept up the relationship there going back as often as I can both to do the pilgrimage and also to to, uh, to minister there so I, I just I just love uh, the 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 whole spirituality of the island the peace and so on And I suppose what we can be very, very proud of as Catholics, as Christians in this country, is that there's an unbroken tradition of prayer going back there. We know at least to the 6th century, to probably about 580, possibly earlier, I mean, some of the accounts would associate it with St. Patrick himself. We know that even before the time of St. Patrick, there certainly was a presence of Druids. And it was quite common for the early Christians, if you like, to occupy and take over uh, the Celtic religious uh, spots, and of course, they often had the best spots. And Loch Derg is a place of great scenic beauty as well, and uh, we can understand uh, why they may well have done so. So, what we're talking about is a little island on a lake in north, uh, in South Donegal, Northwest Ireland. Okay, so from the uh, weekend, uh, the bank holiday weekend, uh, right through to the 15th of August. We expect probably anything between six and 7,000 people uh, to make the now three-day pilgrimage, which is a very famous part of, of Loch Derg. Of course, during April, which past passed, and May, and again in September and October, many people will go there on retreat, on one-day retreats, and indeed uh, some confirmation children will have spent an overnight on the island. But the traditional pilgrimage that people associate with Loch Derg, which involves fasting, going barefoot, keeping vigil on the island, uh, endures from now until in fact the fifteenth of August
0: and so seven thousand people did you say roughly might be taking part in the pilgrimage this year
3: yeah, yeah, and that's the usual figure nowadays I mean it has gone up much higher than that in mean, maybe twenty thirty years ago, but over a hundred years ago, it probably wasn't any higher than it is today and throughout its history and it, what I love to think about is that from now until the fifteenth of August. There's a place in this country where prayer is going on 24-7. We're used to these shops now that are open 24-7. We're used to online shopping that's 24-7. But on this island in the south of Donegal, from now until the 15th of August, prayer will be going on 24-7. Sometimes it may only be 30 or 40 people that will be on vigil. Sometimes it will be hundreds. depends on the if it's a weekend, for example, the numbers will be higher. But that prayer, we can all associate ourselves with, even if at this point, for some reason, we cannot do the pilgrimage itself. uh, We can be associated with that prayer. I always see intercessory prayer a bit like putting money in the bank. Mm. Uh, You know, it's it's there to be drawn out and drawn upon in our own particular hour of need. And pilgrims are very conscious of that, and they do pray uh, for fellow Christians and indeed for Catholics uh, throughout the world. So, if you were thinking of doing Lock you and know, maybe some of our listeners might consider it, uh, you won't be the only one doing it for the first time. One of the things I love every year is that we have many, many first-time buildings, including many young people. Uh, last year, a number of students actually came with me who were doing it for the first time. and It was great to see it through their eyes and to see how it has a perennial uh, appeal, really, because it gets right to the heart of who we are as people. Without shoes, without sleep, without food, we really encounter ourselves as our most vulnerable. And in many ways today we can protect ourselves from that vulnerability, but it's always there. And we find that in that vulnerability we're not alone, that God is there with us. And there's nothing really that life can throw at us that we're not able to deal with. I think that's part of the gift of Loch And i mean hear a lot of people say, oh, my daily life is a pilgrimage, my daily life is penance, my daily life is enough suffering in it, I don't need to do Loch dirt, But it's actually it's the wrong way around it. It's a bit like going to the gym, Uh, You go to the gym so you get fit, so you're able to deal with the physical demands of your daily life. Similarly, if you do lockdown, you're able to build up the spiritual muscle, as I call it, or the spiritual resilience to deal with whatever life throws it to you. It's very interesting to see the number of people like nurses and doctors and people in the caring professions, which can be so demanding, and people in those kinds of occupations are so prone to burnout and so on. Uh, that actually do Lock dirt because they find it builds up that spiritual muscle, it reassures them at the core of their being that they're not on the, their own in this world, that God is with them and that God loves them and that God holds them in the palm of their hands.
0: And so there's some people, you know, they come back uh, year after year after year. Is it that they found something on Lock maybe the first time or the second time they were there that's found that's helped them throughout the year and when they continue on coming back every year to get that sustenance? Yes, it
3: is. And I think, you know, in each generation, it draws out different things out of people. Like nowadays, what I hear a lot of people saying it's just great to get away from the mobile phone. I hear parents, for example, maybe of young children, teenage children saying, well, you know, here I can be here now for the weekend. And, you know, I'm I'm free of, of the demands that are there. Just for a few days, I can be myself. I can think, I can reflect, I can pray. And then in my daily life, perhaps I don't have as much time reflection, but I know this is a weekend for it. And one of the things about it that, that's interesting is that you get got a lot of pilgrims pilgrims who are doing Loch Derg um, without, I suppose, if you like, um, having maybe a very regular connection with the Church otherwise. So a lot of people who come to confession in Loch and the first thing they say, well, Father, I haven't been to confession actually since I was here this time last year. And well, I'm not necessarily recommending that, it just shows that that people who come and often do lock Derg are are finding an anchor in this pilgrimage where in their daily life or their weekly life or their monthly life, maybe regular worship or being part of a religious community is not so appealing or attractive to them. But here there's real strength and community in prayer and we all need that at times. You know, like if you think about it, we need community now if we want to lose weight, we go to Weight Watchers if we want to overcome a gambling addiction we go to Gambling Anonymous. You know, what makes us think that we can make our way to God on our own? Uh, and I really think that's why a place, a pilgrimage in particular, uh, is a great place for reconnecting with others and sharing our faith journey.
0: Some people might ask, um, Father I mean, do I have to be a Catholic or even a Christian to make this pilgrimage to lockdown?
3: Well, the, the short answer is no. Uh, there are some people who are Buddhists, who do it every year. I often meet them there. I've met people from the Church of Ireland, some people indeed from the North who are Church of Ireland and do it. I suppose you will get different things out of it depending where you are on your faith journey. So uh, the short answer is you don't, but obviously it is very much based around the sacraments the Sacrament of Reconciliation, the Sacrament of Eucharist. We renew our baptismal promises, but uh, many people can come there and Maybe you know stop short uh, and, and realize that that's you know for obviously for people who are members of the of the church of the Christian community, um, but still get something out of the spiritual, the physical exercise. There's something very natural about walking barefoot, about getting in touch with the earth from which we all come, as we say on the you know on on, on the first day of Lent, "Dust you are, and unto dust you shall return." About getting in touch with our earthiness that appeals, I think, across the various religious traditions to people who are exploring. Um, who they are themselves as people and in the context trying to find out who God is in their lives
0: One of the things that I found myself when I done Laugh a few years ago uh, for the moment, was um, really the, 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 the chance to meet other people where they are, it could be in the middle of the night, it could be first thing in the morning just listen to their stories and their experiences of maybe the challenges of faith that they have uh, and the encouragement that we can get off each other and it's not part of the journey I suppose too
3: very much so, very much so. Uh, being barefoot is a great leveller. And it doesn't matter whether you're, uh, you know, well, whatever career or pathway or status you have in life, it's a great leveller. It's interesting how all our significant poets really wrote about Loch Derrick. We have poems, very famous poems by Seamus Heaney, by Patrick Kavanagh, um, that, uh, that, 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 uh, Paul Durkin indeed, that uh, try to capture that ordinary human interaction uh, on, on a place like Loch Dart, but it's it's really that we leave ourselves open to depth of relationship it goes beyond the trivial depth of relationship with God and indeed with one another
0: so now we come to maybe find out a little bit more about what's involved there's a three day pilgrimage and a one day pilgrimage can you tell us yeah. what's involved so if, please if, if, if any of your
3: listeners were thinking of going there tomorrow that would mean that they would fast and they could go on by the way any day between now and the 13th of August it means mean that from midnight to night, one fast you drink water as much as you like uh, but you don't eat anything from midnight um, that's strange you get up in the morning first thing you normally know, think you're doing is having your breakfast certainly before heading out on the journey this is one journey where you, you, you don't do that so your pilgrimage has begun We you make your way to the island try to get there before mid, midday as possible but certainly you can, you can actually come on pilgrimage up until four or five in the afternoon but I think the earlier you get there the more you're going to get out of it and uh they're both going back and over all day uh, to the island. It's only a five minute boat journey. Not to take an awful lot of things with you, certainly not valuable, certainly clothes to be equipped for all weather because you can have all the weathers in one day as we can any part of Ireland and also a lot dark. When you arrive on the island you'll be shown to a um, an area of uh, it's it's a, you'll have a cubicle to yourself, you have privacy, but uh, it's 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 a dormitory type situation, that you will have a Screened off area, you can leave your clothes, your personal belongings there. You leave your shoes, you come down. And then you begin what are called station prayers. And these are very much in the ancient part of the period. There are the ruins of monastic cells that go well back in our history uh, to the island, certainly back to the 7th or 8th century. And so you walk around these cells, uh, barefoot, uh, repeating patterns of prayer, uh, well known prayers around these uh, monastic cells. And uh, it's all on the leaf list though, for first-timers. It's nothing that they need to be very worried about. So you walk around on these uh, passions of prayers. That take about 45 minutes. So there's five or six of these cells you walk around. And then uh, the prayer begins in the basilica. And um, Loch Dair contains one of our two national basilicas, the older one, the other one obviously being in Knock. These prayers take about 45, 50 minutes to complete. So you do three of these prayers. And at some point, when it suits you yourself best, you can go and have a meal. Now, it's a very simple meal. So when we talk about fasting, it's not a complete fast in that you get to have uh, some dry bread uh, or um, oat cakes, which are very, I find them very nourishing, actually, and black tea or coffee. Uh, in one sitting, you can have a what's called a air meal. That's all provided. And then you can rest. If you get your station bread done, you can actually rest. You can sleep because your vigil doesn't begin until that night. There's Eucharist at six thirty in the evening, and then there's night prayer uh, about nine o'clock, and then there's a talk from a member of the staff to help you prepare spiritually for the night ahead. During the night, you remain awake, walking, standing, kneeling, saying the same station prayers you did outside on the on the beds or the monastic cell beds, but inside of the basilica, it's much safer to do it, obviously, there at night. And you do another four of those during the night, uh, as well as the Rosary. And Basically, that goes on throughout the whole night. So there's a, there's a lovely line of a hymn that says, The voice of prayer is never silent, nor dies the strain of praise away. So this goes on throughout the night. And then at dawn at 6.30 in the morning, there's Eucharist. And then there's the celebration of the Second Reconciliation at 830 of you will baptism promises at 12.30. At some point, again, you can take another meal similar to the one I described from the day before. And uh, there's the way of the cross at 3 o'clock, Eucharist at 6.30. And really, you struggle to stay awake, to be vigilant, to be open to the Lord speaking to you. And, of course, your struggle itself is a kind of a prayer. It's saying, I'm prepared to allow the Lord to reach me, to touch me. And I find, during lockdown, when I do the pilgrimage myself, and I, I might go there with certain things on my mind. I might go with my shopping list, things I want to sort out in my life. But sometimes the Lord surprises me, and I realise there's actually something maybe I wasn't in touch with at a deeper level, where I needed to be healed or forgiven or loved or held. But that's bubbles up to the surface for me. And maybe other things just fade into insignificance. So you can get a lovely surprise sometimes too and during the pilgrimage. And so that night, then after my prayer, you can go to bed. And you get up in the morning, this is your third day now, you uh, do, uh, after Mass, you do one more station prayer, like the ones I've described, either inside the basilica or outside, you can make a choice. And then you can put your shoes back on, and the boat leaves about 9.30. And that's your island part, the pilgrimage we over with, and you're free to drive home, and you create for yourself at some point a Lachdard type meal, a very simple meal again, along the same lines of the meals you've had on the island. And that can and your fast continues otherwise until midnight and that's your three days done. So that's the pilgrimage. But I can tell you, and any of your listeners listening, my students who did it last year with me, young people for the first time, they on the boat on the way home, they were saying, This is I'm coming back. You know. People going there so I say, oh, how can I get through this? But it's just such an experience of of cleansing, really, of letting go, of 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 trusting in what's bigger than ourselves and that's I think, what brings people back that they are genuinely healed and and held by that and it's something that they that sustains them sustains us uh, in the months uh, then that follow uh, so you know as you can as you can gather i I really do believe and i think I think a lot of what we spend an awful lot more money on in terms of you know um all these kinds of holistic weekends and everything else, you're getting in a much more natural uh, and, of course, God-given way at a place like Lachderg.
0: Really, it's a beautiful gift uh, for us, especially for those who who can make the three-day. But maybe there's some people who can't make a three-day pilgrimage. There's a one-day pilgrimage, Father Eamon, isn't there? No,
3: not, Yeah, so not from the 1st of June to the 15th of August. That's reserved for the three-day. When the 15th of August comes, after a few days' break, the staff start offering again one-day retreats. So people can look out for that if they go to their Lochdark website, Lock lochdark spelled L-O-U-G-H-D-E-R-G. They'll see a full program of activities there. But can I just say something else? Because I think some people say, oh, this idea of having to do penance to get God to love me, that's not what it's about. It's because God loves us that we need to do something to change ourselves. Loch Derg is not about changing God. God forbids that we would change God because God already loves us to bits. It's about who am I before that love? How do, what do I need to undertake in my own life to be more present to the God who loves me? What do I need to let go of in my own life? And I'm rehearsing that. I'm practicing that in the asceticism, in the, in the penitential exercises of Loch Derg. So Loch Derg is not about changing or appeasing an angry God. Not at all. And I think maybe in the past there were bad spiritualities that that conveyed that. It's about actually freeing ourselves of what gets in the way of us being open to the love that God has always held for us.
0: And I suppose if we can hold on to that, then that'll keep us going for the rest of the year.
3: I, I believe so. I really believe so, yeah,
0: absolutely. Just going back again, uh, just just for them, in regard to the one-day one, because there might be some of our listeners who might be able to make a three-day pilgrimage to one day Just quickly, what's involved with the one-day pilgrimage, please? Yeah, well, they're very often
3: thematic. so you really have to go to the website there. So sometimes there is for young people, uh, for older people, for married couples. Uh, So there might be one that would particularly suit uh, maybe a day of healing Um, that might particularly suit some of your listeners I would really refer them to the website Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to look there it's not a case of simply arriving and uh, you know you'd have to look and see what particularly an offer sometimes groups book particular days there are particular groups that organise days um, of pilgrimage for their members and so on and it's a case of really looking at the website and see what's coming
0: up. But just to assure people, you know, who might want to have a event of those, that doesn't entail taking your shoes off and saying... No, and, no, and no, no. And, no, no, no. no, and you're
3: okay. your forced to eat. You're forced to eat, yes. Uh, on the island. So, uh, well, uh, yeah, absolutely. not. You're they, not allowed they,
0: to they, to, to indulge in that Lat meal. Okay. Exactly, uh, exactly. Okay. exactly. No, you're getting a proper up. So, some yeah. contact details there, Father, in case anybody... Want yeah, to Yeah, so, again... Uh,
3: yeah, again, lockdurk.org, wwlou And uh, the uh 071961518. 071961518 is the uh number to the island. And I suppose I should say I'm a I'm not a full member of staff there. Obviously, I work in Mary uh, I'm a part-time member of staff there. Uh, But if anybody, you know, wants to find out more from me personally, I'd be delighted to do that. But there also, if you go to YouTube, uh, those who are on on the internet and so on, there are lots of videos up there talking about the island, explaining the island, Uh, you know, and uh, I think every church now in the country probably has uh, contact information, a poster up or whatever, you know.
0: And just for those uh, that, for those listeners who might be living locally here around West Limerick, I know the uh, Fitzpatrick Fitzpatrick uh, Transport uh, Bus Service of stall, They will be actually um, taking a trip up to Loch I know we missed the one last weekend, the one that's up there now at the moment. But the ninth of July and the ninth of August. I'll give you more details as that comes closer. You can contact them actually on zero six eight. 21707, that's 068 21707, that's Fitzpatrick's of Listall, they actually go through Newcastle West uh, from Abbeyfield, from Truly from Listall I'm sure, right the way up to Donegal and all, all the way back home again in, uh, in three days time Father that's Eamon, great. thank you very much indeed for joining us this morning and letting us know thank about Derg A pleasure as always, maybe, all the very best. God m- bless you. Maybe some of your listeners maybe some of our listeners might, might meet you up there Father. God bless you now Please please Bye-bye now. So now we might go for our second piece of music and this is a song by Paul Gurr and this one is entitled Come As You Are. So please join us again for the Gospel in Part 3. Come
4: as you are That's how I want you Come as you are Feel quite at home Close to my heart and forgiven Come as you are Why stand
0: So welcome back again to the third part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined in studio here by Lorraine and Anne. And again, we thank Father Amen for taking time out to reflect with us and give, give us his thoughts and indeed encouragement on um, Loch Dug, the St. Patrick's Purgatory in, in Lockdurg, and how to spend it, and how people spend it. So now we come, as I said, to the most important part of the program where we read and reflect on the Word of God. And before that, Anne's going to share this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thank you, Anne. Lord,
2: we thank you for pushing us in the presence of your Word which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this Word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this Word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your Word. Send your Spirit to us, so that receiving the Word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your Word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ,
0: our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for praying that for us then. So now this is the Gospel for today, for the Feast of the Ascension. It's taken from the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 24, verse 46 to 53. So Jesus said to his disciples, See how it is written that Christ would suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that in his name repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached to all nations. Beginning from Jerusalem, you are witnesses to this. And now I am sending down to you what the Father has promised, Stay in the city, then, until you close with the power from on high, and then he took them out as far as the outskirts of Bethany, lifting up his hands, he blessed them and Now, as he blessed them, he withdrew from them and was carried up to heaven. They worshipped him, and then went back to Jerusalem full of joy. They were continually in the temple, praising God, so that's the gospel for today they Feast of the Ascension. Beautiful feast there, Lorraine. You might kick us off with a little reflection, please.
1: It is a fantastic feast, John. And, of course, our section of the Gospel that we read this Sunday comes from Luke twenty-four, forty-six to 53. I just want to look a little bit at Luke chapter 24, because that's the passage in which we um, get the account of the walk, you know, the road to Amos, where oh, Jesus okay. meets the disciples on the road. And you remember Jesus said to them, you know, he was asking them, you know, what what are these things that you were talking about? And they tell him. And Jesus said to them, um, you know, how foolish you are, how slow of heart you believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in the scriptures. So that's verses 25 to 27 of the same chapter. And then just before our section today, in verses 44, when Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he says to them again, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And then we come to today's gospel reading. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. So again, it's within that context. Jesus is opening their hearts and their minds to see the whole plan of salvation that began really in the mind of God ever before we were created and because God knows everything he knew we were going to fall and that was gradually revealed throughout the Old Testament in the Law and the Prophets that's taken to be the whole of the Old Testament which comes to fulfillment in Jesus Christ and it's in that context that we're kind of reading this gospel reading this morning and For me personally, verse 48 was the most important verse, the one that kind of jumped out to me when I was reflecting on this during the week. You are witnesses to this. You see, no matter what we do in life, we're witnesses to something. And we have the choice over what we can be witnesses to. We can be witnesses to love, to truth, to goodness, to God. Or we can be witnesses to gossip and slander and lying and thieving and, you know, all the base things of life, all the sinful things of life. So maybe a question for us this week is, what am I a witness to? Or who am I a witness to? Now, Jesus gives them the mission. In his name, repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem but they're not doing it on their own. And likewise, when we witness to Jesus Christ, we're not doing it on our own. He says, I am sending down to you what the Father has promised. Stay in the city then until you are clothed with the power from on high. Now, thanks be to God, John. The moment we're baptized, we're clothed from, with the power from on high. The beautiful christening shawl is a symbol of that in the baptism ceremony that sense of being clothed in Christ the power from on high being the Holy Spirit. Now, as he blessed them, he withdrew from them and was carried up to heaven. And they worshipped him and then went back to Jerusalem full of joy. That joy is a sign of the Holy Spirit. Um, Pope Francis has said it numerous times. He said, I do not want Sarapus Christians or Serapus Catholics because we're not being authentically Christian or Catholic when we are not joyful. Now, that joyful doesn't mean going around uh, singing happy clappy all the time. It's a, it's a deep-seated joy. It's related to last week's Gospel, that sense of peace, that sense of the presence of God in our lives, no matter what we're experiencing in life. So as Father Eamon said, we could be in the middle of an island in Loch Derg, tired, exhausted, hungry, barefoot. The midges might be out because it depends on the time of the year they might be eating you alive. And yet you're filled with a sense of joy when you're coming home from there because of that presence, because you're reconnecting a little bit stronger with that presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So if we find that we're not joyful, we need to kind of just reflect on, well, what is taking our joy? Because it isn't the Holy Spirit who's taking our joy. And again, who are we witnesses to? Are we witnesses to God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and their action in our lives? Or are we witnesses to somebody or someone else? Did you have any thoughts, John?
0: Yeah, yeah just just one or two of them there. Now, uh, again, I it was at lecture Divina and again, I want to plug it again. It's been some time since I actually plugged in. lecture Divina is, um, it's an hour that we spend with Father Frank the week in Newcastle West Paris Centre each Monday night from quarter past eight to quarter past nine. And Father Frank helps us to well, we, we, we go through the Sunday Gospel. This Sunday Gospel we read it about three times together and Father Frank gives a background just like Lorraine just gave us some background there. And then leads us in then maybe to a few thoughts and that's to, to go away and chew on those. The Holy Spirit will be will speak to us all in various ways. For me this week the thought that stayed with me this week was of the disciples of Jesus going back to Jerusalem, full of joy and praising God. And I was thinking, well, do you know these guys? Now they had Jesus there for the last few years. Um, they messed up. They needed Jesus to bring them back and to encourage them, and so on and so forth. And there, there was Jesus going away, being taken up to heaven, and and they were and they were happy and they were joyful about him. And I said, well. Why were they full of joy for this? But Jesus uh, told them in today's Gospel that he was sending down to them what the Father had promised, as Lorraine said, that they would be clothed with the power from on high, with the Holy Spirit. As Lorraine said, we were also clothed in the power of the Holy Spirit when we were baptized in confirmation. The Holy Spirit is with us. This power from on high has clothed us Do I believe that, John? Do we believe it uh, as we, even as we go to Mass every week, even as we pass the church every week, even if we're in the morning prayer and evening prayer, do we believe that the Holy Spirit is with us? Do we believe that the Holy Spirit is powerful, is all-powerful? Do we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us in the way we live our lives and the decisions we have to make? So when I come up and I propose a solution for a problem, whatever problem it might be, it might be family life, it might be something with my own faith, it might even decide in that I have the solution for the church's problems. I have my solution for the church's problems. And when I, when I announce this, do I actually uh, ever give the Holy Spirit a, a second, or any chance at all to come in and allow me to... and allow? Uh, my thoughts to be guided by the holy spirit i'm not too sure how much i do i'm not too sure how how much we all do but i think today I, I, i think it's a good chance for us all maybe to to stop and reflect and ask how much do we allow the holy spirit to become part of the solution in our lives and then maybe too we can go away and we can worship and praise and thank god ourselves and Until ever our, li- our lives with that joy, and I like the way Lorraine you brought back up that that, that idea again about Father, uh, the Father Eamon gave us in Lockdurg. There we are, and we go, and Father Eamon said that we, sometimes he does and we all do. When we go to Lockdurg, we bring our own little shopping list. Mm. Listen, this is this is the story. Now I am I am here, and my time. Now listen, I'm not going to go away from here now without anything. I want one, two, three, four, five. And he told us something that we all know in that the, the Holy Spirit said, hey, hang on, guy, you're not listening. This is what's good for you.
1: Absolutely. I love that last line as well. And they were continually in the temple praising God. Mm-hmm. Now, the temple for us is, of course, the church, but the temple is also the temple of our body. Mm-hmm. That we can be continually praising God in our thoughts, in our minds, in our actions. But in order to do that well, we need to be in the temple praising God too. As in, we need to give set times of prayer to God, we need to attend the sacraments um, so that that sense of renewal again, that outpouring of the Holy Spirit can be tapped into once again, every time, like, for example, every time we go to Mass, every time we go to the sacrament of Confession or Reconciliation. We receive a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, we're coming towards the end of Eastertide. And as usual, with many of the church's seasons, it might have passed some of us by. So perhaps between this Sunday and next Sunday, which is Pentecost Sunday, we could ask the Holy Spirit in a special way to come into our lives, that we might be more kind of cognizant of his power. In other words, we might be more mindful of praying to the Holy Spirit, who's kind of the silent person of the Holy Trinity, really. We kind of pray to God the Father and Jesus a little bit more than the Holy Spirit, that we might take this next week and make it a week for the Holy Spirit. And that that good habit of praying to the Holy Spirit, we might continue on beyond Pentecost.
0: I like the phrase you use there, you know, a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I think often we go there with a, with, with our own little idea. Of, well, this is how I'm going to pray, and I'm going to say so a certain number of prayers for a certain number of time, and that t- I'm going to come away again. And we're not open even as Father Eamon just mentioned that about locked But I, I like that that, that idea that you know that you gave us there of allowing the
1: Holy Spirit to, to give something fresh to us, to give something new, to surprise us. Mm, absolutely, to be surprised by the Holy Spirit is a very, very wonderful thing. Because we might have our own set ways of praying or we might say, oh, gosh, I couldn't read the Bible because or whatever it might be. Just allow the Holy Spirit into your hearts in the coming week and let yourself be surprised. He might surprise you by inviting somebody for a cup of tea that normally you wouldn't talk to. Mm -hmm. Or he might surprise you by helping you to recognize the need in another person. Or he might surprise you by helping you to forgive somebody. Or he might surprise you with some little insight or some little gift of the peace of the presence of God
0: So just to remind us this again uh, Lockdrag, it's in County Donegal there's a three day pilgrimage which started actually this weekend and it continues on to the 15th of August Um, I think the three day I think the cost for the three day entry onto the island is 75 euros but really that's insignificant but what a way to to get rid of the mobile phone for those few days you know i mean there's no mobile access there so, so it's all been told anyway the strange thing is though uh, you know for those of for those of uh, listeners who smoke i think you can still smoke on the island for some reason but there's no chocolates and there's no soap operas and there's no, no nothing like that but but there's a wonderful time to be able to get to know yourself and get to know each other and more importantly Let's get in touch with the Lord and the Holy Spirit that little bit more. Just be open and enjoy it.
1: Absolutely. So, if you want those details again, Lockdurg. or they will be up on our blog as well.
0: Okay. And again, as I said, uh, the ninth of July uh, and the eleventh uh, and the ninth of August, there'll be a bus coming through West Lymmick. Here, I'll post and uh, let people know about that and and, and how to get in contact with them, so on and so forth. So, in the in the meantime, we want to thank again um, all our listeners for for joining us this morning. Um, and we also thank West Limit 102 for allowing us to bring this, this program across to us each week. And also maybe just to remind us again uh, that, that Radio Maria did actually broadcast a wonderful reflection that Father uh, Luke McMahon gave us last week and the, actually the Apostles, Father Luke, is going to join us again. And I think for, I think uh, Radio Maria might in fact be repeated again in the next coming weeks. I'll try and let you know about that in advance if I can. But in the meantime, thank you again for joining us. Uh, thank you again for, for keeping us in prayer. So now we are go out with a final bit of music and this is by the Emmanuel community and this one is entitled Be Not Afraid. The Holy Spirit is there all the time. So next week. God bless you all now. Bye. Bye bye.
4: Lord your God, I shall be with you, your Savior and your hope, I shall be with you, from Egypt set you free, I
5: shall be with you, free.